If you're first time, you'll be sitting at the first timer table with me and Jesse. Ryan asked me what my first car was. It was a 1967 Chevy Chevelle. I paid $500 for it. I cut grass until I could afford it, and I bought it at 14 with the idea that I had to renovate it. You could literally put your feet through the floorboard and your hands through the ceiling because of the rust holes. But I was proud of that bad boy. $500 was my first car. Anybody buy one that was cheaper? How much was yours? 200 150 <laughs> It's like I'm raising money this morning. 100 Dang. TV set. <laughs> All right. Keith, come on up here. Keith has got an announcement. This is a unique opportunity for you guys. If you listen up real quick. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I moved here from Texas about four years ago, and one of the things I left behind in Texas was a men's Bible study. And uh, I've tried a couple of times, as Rick knows, to get this off the ground and get started, but it's going to start on Monday, January the 10th. I have five confirmed people that will be attending and three or four maybes, and I'm inviting anybody here. It'll be in my home from 7 to 9 at night. We'll use the Navigator's Life Change Guides, and we're going to start with Ephesians and go from there. So if you just come up at the end, I'll get your name and phone number, email, I'll send you some more information about it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Keith. Dave, could you come on up? Dave is going to introduce this morning's teaching fellow. And then, Dave, if you wouldn't mind, uh, it'd be great if you could open us up in prayer. Let me just go ahead and open up in prayer first. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for that we all can meet. God, we just praise you. Praise you for the men who are watching online. Praise you for the people that couldn't be here. We just lift our brothers up to you. God, we lift up our speaker today, Scott Michael. We just lift him up to you. Fill him with your Holy Spirit, God. May the seeds of his message find fertile soil in the hearts and minds of the men today that hear it. God, in the end, it's, it's your story, and it's for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, we are finishing out the topic for this month, which is Fathering God's Way. And I'm really excited to be introducing today's speaker, Scott Michael, as he has experienced recently a big change in his fathering scope. And what I mean by that is he's been remarried. He just celebrated his first anniversary about a month ago, I believe. Congratulations. Now you guys remember the show Brady Bunch. So in this marriage, Scott brought three sons to the picture. His wife brought two daughters and two sons. So quite a family dynamic there that's been changing. Beyond that, Scott and his wife Val, they host a missional community for single parents. He is also a board member of the Central Florida YMCA. He's also, I'm proud to have him as a co-captain for the Redeem Table. And yes, we do sit outside, as my dad said last week. But what you're going to hear when he speaks is this is a man who loves God, and he wears his heart on his sleeve. And with that, I give you Scott Michael. All right, well, good morning. Man, it's so good to be here with my brothers this morning. And I tell you what, we were asked at our table for two different things. One was talk about science. Got to tell you, that wasn't my favorite talk, but thank you for being gracious in that regard. This one, getting to talk about fatherhood is something that I just love. And I know that we are in this room. Everybody in here obviously loves Jesus or something's wrong with you because you shouldn't be waking up this early to be in, in spiritual community if you're not loving Jesus. So, uh, but maybe some of you don't love Jesus and just want to, and so you're being around the right people. So that's good. However you 
you do it, all I know is this, is that in this room there are a lot of men who have hearts of fathers, hearts of coaches. This morning as I was driving, I was thinking just of a lot of you, that is how God wired you. Man, what a great, great commission to be fathers and coaches. And so whenever we talk about fatherhood, we know that that expands way beyond our biological children, way beyond even children that we adopt. Fatherhood is something that is a community-driven thing, you know, and so praise the Lord for all of you that are in here. So uh, whenever my story starts, it starts with this, is is that I lived 44 years of my life loving Jesus. You know, I was one of those kids raised in the church, you know, you ask Jesus into your heart, that, that was our kind of rhythm around five or so, and, and then around 12, you recommit your heart, that, that was, the, these were the terms that we used in our circles, and then you'd go through a whole season where you're questioning that, and you just maybe get re-saved every couple months or whatever it took, you know, every time you stole a cookie or blew this up or blew that up. I grew up in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. Now, for those of you that have never been there, what that looks like is, look around, these are the people you're going to see in heaven, because it's not real broad. It's pretty much, here we are. And uh, whenever we would talk about Pharisees and Sadducees, I would always kind of be like, you know, we're reading in the Bible, I was like, are they talking about us? <laughs> you know? And I would hear about the gospel, and I was like, I'm not sure what that is. I, I heard that the gospel's good news. To me, it sounds like we're just locked down here. This is what is going to be imposed on us for the rest of our life. And so, that was my experience growing up, and, uh, and then I got to experience awesome teaching and theology of just the freedom of the gospel. And now I, I get to attend Mosaic, and it's just the fullness of the gospel, and just getting to hear about God sending his son to redeem us. And, and as a kid, I didn't understand that. I got to tell you, you know, I was, I would joke and I would say, well, speaking of redeem, congratulations, Michigan. I'm an Ohio State fan. Congratulations, Michigan. Look at this guy. He gets to wear that in December for the first time in 10 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. College sports used to be an idol of mine. And I was watching, I'm an Ohio State fan, if you didn't pick up on that. And I was watching Ohio State play Clemson and, and uh, Trevor Lawrence is great, loves Jesus. He's a brother in Christ, and but I didn't really care about that that night. And um, <laughs> we're sitting there, and any of, those, any of you that know Caleb Kareen is just an awesome guy, loves Jesus. He's sitting there, and uh, we nearly killed Trevor Lawrence. Sean Wade came in and just cleaned his clock. And and, my, and that's a sack. That's a good thing. That's everything good that I'm hoping for. And Caleb Kareen goes, oh, no. And uh, if I had a gun, I would have shot him right there. And that's when I realized I had a, an idol in my life with college sports. Because I love Caleb Crean, and I'm sure I would love Trevor. But uh, it was just the wrong day. Well, anyways, that's your fault for distracting me. Okay, so 44 years of my life. I love Jesus. I'm excited to be here. It's all good. And I was given such an amazing blessing. I know David got introduced by his dad last year, or last, last week. For those of you that didn't have that growing up, you know, our Heavenly Father came out after you and grabbed you and praised the Lord for that. And, and yet it is an amazing gift, right? To have a father who exemplifies the relationship that we have with, with God. You know, one of the things in the book, it talks about the thing that we want to avoid as fathers is saying that you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to behave a certain way. You'd be hard. He references a story, a really tough story of a, a gal that was actually sexually abused by her father. And, um, you know, you look at both ends of that spectrum and how hard it was. And he just tells the story of how hard it was for her to even clear 
the, the enemy's foothold there, right? You know, generational sins are the worst, and they, they just create these footholds where the enemy is there. And the one thing that I would say is that growing up through all those things, and the legalism and, and that element, Paul says it in Romans that the enemy found his way to worm into the law, which was pretty good, given to us by God. He wormed his way into that. And so in, in that space, what, what the enemy wants to do to all of us. However many of you, anybody in here, and a lot of warriors in here, so I always feel very inadequate talking about anything regarding warfare, but we are at war. The enemy is at war. And man, for 44 years, I had lived this little bubble life and I was working. I was a, totally unaware that the enemy was at play. And in that space, man, I loved my guys, my kids. I loved coaching. I loved doing all those things. And yet, how many of you know that you can coach and you can father and you can do everything? You, know, if you can provide for your family. You can do everything in your life with a closed fist. I'm in charge. This is my gig. I'm going to make this happen. Any type A people in here? Oh, my golly. Anybody ever go to, when you were a kid, you go to a roller coaster park or you go to a theme park or whatever, and you're like a little bit scared of the big rides. Remember that season of your life? You're a little bit scared, and you talk tough all week, and maybe you have an older brother or friends that you're going with. I'm going to go on that ride. I'm going to go on that ride. You got it in your mind. You're like, this is no problem. I got this. And then you get there, and you see it, and you're like, oh, this is not, to, not today. Not today. We're going to do this a different day. Or you push through, but there's anxiety. Well, thinking about today, I thought, today is the day I'm going to be able to do this thing without crying. I, I was pretty sure that was going to happen, and now I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. So it was nice talking to you all. This is going to get rough from here on out. All right. So I, I did that, and it was just so much like this. And I love my guys. And um, when I was about 44, I love my wife. I, idolatry is something that I've become very aware of because I didn't realize how many of them I had in my life. And one of them was my wife. And then an idol is anything we put higher than God in our life. And man, I did. I just, I, I worshipped the ground she walked on. I just, I, I would work stupid hours to provide the best I knew how to. <laughs> Couldn't find out. I wasn't really good at some stuff. But I was in that space. And so one day, I guess it's been about seven years ago now, or five or whatever it is. Maybe I was 42. I didn't, hey, that's good news. I didn't go, well, no, it took me two years after that to figure it out. So yeah, so it was, anyways, get my timeline straight. Anyways, let me tell you this. I found out that the enemy had had his way in my wife's life. And I, you know, I feel like I have a, a lot of communication time with God, and I love that. But there are two times where I know I heard the audible voice of God. One of those times was I was in my in the bathroom getting ready in the morning. I'm looking in the mirror, and I am broken. So broken. I mean, I was born, bred, everything to be a husband and a father. And now I'm sitting there and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, wife, this is this is not looking good. And I'm thinking to myself, have I lost influence with my boys? And I'm thinking, you know, the woman that they love more than anybody else is saying, I'm out of here. And I can just remember thinking, like, oh, man, have I lost influence? <laughs> oh, God, you know, you only have a couple of moments where God speaks audibly in your life. This is one of mine, which is kind of, like, humbling, let's say that at the minimum. I hear the voice of God say, 
I can raise your boys without you. <laughs> Nobody's writing a devotional on that one, kids, right? That ain't selling. That ain't selling, kids. <laughs> but it's so true, man. You know, having a heart of a father, we can do it like this. And man, for four years, I went every week to a pastoral counselor who I felt, it felt like he was just beating me upside the head with a spiritual two by four. And this guy, the way I met him was, I, first of all, I called, so I was going to Northland at the time, for any of you in the area, you know, Northland, big church back in the day, and still big church, but anyway, so I call over there, it's August, I'm like, hey, I, we've had some really bad stuff happen in our marriage, and, and I need somebody, it's August. They said, no worries, we have a class called Marriage 911. I said, well, that is, sounds exactly what I need, we have some first responders here, 911 guys, that will be meeting in February. <laughs> At that point in my life, I was doing this thing a whole lot. My hands were, I was like, great, I'll keep the wheels on this. I'll keep this thing on right now. I got two flats on two opposite corners, but I think I can keep this thing rolling till February. <laughs> That's probably more like September. God. About three weeks later, I'm like, I'm thinking, this is a big church. They got to have somebody. I'm going to call out there. And I called back out, and I was like, I need to talk to somebody. Oh, yeah, we have these minister on dues. I, that sounds like a better deal. That's, that sounds more like 911 for me. So, again, I went every week. And when I went through the door the first time, you know, you, if you're not feeling good, if something's not right, you go to the, the hospital, and they're going to run some tests on you. You want something to come back positive. Right? Well, you, you pick a few things. You're like, I don't want these, right? I don't want these to come back positive. But I'd like for something to come back positive so I get a prognosis so I know I'm moving forward, right? Is that, that's kind of, you do not want to go in and get an entire panel of tests picked all over the place, looked in this and that, and everything comes back negative. We don't know what's going on. You don't want that. You want a positive on something that you choose, right? That's so I go through the door of this, this place and I'm thinking in my mind, he's going to tell me, because again, I knew legalism was this thing that had just grabbed my heart and it was like, it squeezed the love out of me. I knew that. Like I knew. And so I thought, I'm going to walk into there. I just pray that this guy can discern straight through that and get me to where. And I thought he was going to tell me, hey, you need to read First John this and First John, you know, all the love books and this and that. The word he gave me, and for anybody who's struggling right now or experiencing any kind of anxiety in your life, the word he gave me was amazing. He said, Scott, you need to read Romans as slow as you can. And I'm like, Romans, that's all doctrine. <laughs> Oh my gosh. For the next few months, I would just pull. It's easy to find water around here. We live on a sandbar, right? I would just pull into some place in front of water. I feel like God works a little bit better with a little bit of water, you know? A couple times I got thrown out of people's backyards. I was like, hey, you got a nice spot here. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Mostly publics. But I'd pull in there and I'd be reading through Romans. Guys, I had read Romans hundreds of times. But man, my heart was so torn open. And I'm reading Romans. I am gasping for air as I'm hearing Paul lay out the gospel. You know, y'all are messed up as chapter one. Chapter two is like, these guys are really messed up. Chapter three is like, you think they're messed up. You're even more messed up. Chapter four is like, it's all about faith. Stop cutting yourselves and <laughs> circumcising. Don't worry about that. Just have a heart of faith. So all of these things, and you get to five where he loved us before we loved him. And guys, I'll tell you what I was going to tell you about is fathering is about, if you want wise children, let them know the wise. W-H-Y-S. You know, let them know why. Why do we love God? God, why? He first loved us, you know? Why do we do, why do we want to do anything? And, you know, you look, if you want to know the whys, just do a search in the Bible for any of the words where it says because or therefore, right? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He came
came, he did it. So here's what I learned. And I only got a minute because I got all distracted. Mostly your fault, but that's all right. Dang, Michigan. See how they mess up everybody's life. But what I would say is this, is the reality is, is that we are called to love. We are called to love open-handed. And so for four years, I went to that guy. He beat me upside the head. And I'm like, just tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Anybody can appreciate that? Just tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Just stop hitting me, right? I'm almost like when you're in sports, like just stop hitting me, dude. And it took me, and in one day, that happened. For any of those of you, I mean, we've all probably learned how to ride a bike or swim or whatever else. You go from just drowning to swimming. You go from falling off your bike to riding it. That happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it? <laughs> I'm not very fast learner, folks. It took me three years to learn how to do that. And it took me a year, another year just to keep it open. But guys, when you're loving your children, when you're loving the people that God's called into your life to father, I promise you this is it. Because our children will... What is caught is infinitely more than what is taught. And you can teach your children until you're blue in the face every principle, every this, every that. But if you explain to them the why is because it's about being surrendered, about abiding in Christ. When we do that, <laughs> I think he even spent an entire verse in the Bible about it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. Man, it doesn't matter how old your children are, where they are in their life, how even God is sovereign and God loves you. That's our message to our children. That's our message to our own heart. God is sovereign. God loves you. God is clear in his communication with you. Those three things, if we can communicate those three things, be surrendered. Be is so much important, more important than do, and do is pretty important. Anyways, that's my message to y'all. I apologize I missed all of it. I got a ton of content. Anybody want to meet afterwards for about two hours? We can cover a lot of stuff, but brothers, I love you. Be aware the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy every relationship in your life and live with your hand open, man. Thank you so much, Scott. I think this is like his third or fourth time speaking up here before us. And um, I was telling him earlier this morning when he got here that he's always one of my favorites to hear throughout the year. Your ability to be vulnerable before us, it always feels like such a privilege to be in your life and to be able to hear the things that you're sharing. I got so much out of this morning. And I'm looking forward to spending the rest of the time at the tables and discussion. Scott provided three questions I sent out to all the table captains. So table captains, I'm going to hand the floor over to you and uh, we're going to spend the rest of the time in discussion.